You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. So with that being said, man, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue a message that I hit a pause button last week. If you weren't here last week, man, we had a lot of fun launching our summer theme and kind of unveiling that. We had had a lot of things for people to look at through the week, little hints. And we found out last Sunday at the very end of service that this year's summer theme is freeze frame. And it's all built around one concept. If we're not careful, we are going to run through life so quickly and we're not going to pause long enough to, to stop to take a picture, and to examine it, to figure out, is this, like, where am I going? Do I like what's in the picture? Is this, like, the direction I want my life to go? I mean, for all of us that you know, are over the age of, of 24, imagine what life could have been like if, if we would just pause for a moment and just stopped and examined yeah, I think that's where that, that, that boomer mentality comes in. You know, if I'd have known then what I know now, well, you can know. But you got to stop. You got to look. You got to examine. And we'll use the first part of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. We use that scripture to help us to understand what it means, what Paul was telling the church at Ephesus, what he was telling them as far as you can't continue to walk as the Gentiles walk. And a couple of things, I don't normally do this, but I just need you, for those that weren't able to be with us last week, you can go to the podcast, but I want to give you a real quick synopsis. A few things you need to know so that today's message, as we finish it up, will make sense. A couple of things. Number one, we talked about last week, if knowledge is power, because it talked about the aspect of, of ignorance, a hardening of the heart, it says in, in the previous verses, before we get to today's verse, we're going to be in verse 25 is where we'll start. But it talked about how you cannot continue to walk as the Gentiles walk. And then it talked about how they have a, a ignorance that results in a hardness of heart. And we talked about this aspect that if, if knowledge is power, and we've heard that saying, if knowledge is power, then assuming is the catalyst to weakness. If knowledge is power then assuming is the catalyst of weakness. And we made the commitment that, that this summer, if you guys will be patient with me, I'm not going to assume anything. A lot of times there's two things that we normally do that really, really hits us. We assume somebody knows, and we assume that, that it's our job to fix it. And we're not going to assume either one of those. We're not going to assume that anybody knows anything. What we're going to do is we're going to walk together, we're going to take a picture, and we're going to let it speak for itself. And then we're going to use God's word to say, where are we at in this? Another thing that I talked about last week that you need to know to get through this is that in the previous scriptures, it talks about not only not assuming, but it also talks about that there's this old self. And it's talking about this putting off the old self, almost like you're taking off a shirt, and putting on this new self, which is what you originally created. And then the last thing that we hit last week is the actual theme and the fact that in order for us to do this, we have to pause, or I talked about freeze tag. You've got to be running full speed and all of a sudden freeze. So that kind of gets you caught up for us to think about today. Because I think here's the biggest issue. Today is going to be a little bit different. And I have intentionally tried, he there, tried. The front end of this, I have a short message. Now at the end of this, 
okay, it ended up being a little bit longer than I thought. But on the front side of this message, everything that's in my notes, because today I want to be careful because I don't want you to come across as a legalistic mindset, and I also don't want to come across as too hard on you, but I want you to know that today I want to study the scriptures right after that and what Paul starts explaining, because to me there's one major issue with this summer theme of freeze frame. Because you could stop, freeze, you could take a picture, talking about the Polaroid, and you can see what's developed, and you could keep doing everything you're doing and never make any adjustment. I think that's the biggest fear for me, is that we could gather together, we could worship, we could experience Christ, we could have a time of worship like we did. Wasn't that amazing? I, I was in the back. That, it, God's Spirit is obviously here. And they can help guide and lead us to that throne. And we could leave here. And by the time we sit down to eat lunch, already be over what was talked about, prayed about, and experienced, and going right back to what we've always done. And we do it under the concept that we feel like that a part of growing up and growth is something that just naturally happens. Can I explain it to you in a little bit of a human development stage? I was very intrigued, especially in my undergrad, with the aspect of human development. But basically, let me put it to you very, very quickly. You, you have five areas of human development, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially. The fifth is spiritually. Four of these, no matter what you do, is going to grow. In fact, if they're not growing, there's a word for that. It's called death. Like, you don't wake up at age 14 and all of a sudden, boop, I grow. Like, you can't stop from birth as you get older to physically growing, to mentally growing, to emotionally growing, to socially growing. And because of that, there's a natural concept in us that we feel like that if we just let time do what it does, then naturally we're going to grow even if we don't put the effort into it. Some of us, talking about duck donuts with dads coming up here in a couple of weeks, we understand growth. Like, we're like, dude, I, I mean, like, I'm not even doing nothing, maybe. And this thing is just like, where did you come from? It's like an extra backpack. You know, it's my dad bod. But it's one of those things that, that we understand that because things will naturally grow. You come off of COVID, and we went straight from, like, COVID and lockdown to boom, it's summertime. And oh, the posts that have been online about, oh my goodness, now I'm supposed to just go to the beach? I'm not ready for that. You know? Because things have a way of naturally growing. But listen to me. Spiritually speaking, that's the one area of your life that you could enter this world and exit this world and no matter how long you lived, never grow an inch because you never put effort or made a decision in Christ. But we associate this physical, mental, emotional, and social growth that happens naturally, and we just assume that spiritually it's going to happen naturally. And I want you to know today, that is not the truth. And so, we've got to look at this. It's not just about pausing and take a picture and go, well, isn't that neat? File that away. And one day look at it and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. 
Like we've got to examine and then we've got to make a decision. What are we going to do with, with what's in the picture? Like what do we do when we snap a picture of our life and we don't like some of the things that are in there? What do we do when we have somebody in our picture that's photobombing and we don't want them in our picture? Maybe a stranger, it may be somebody you know. Like, what do we do when there's things in the picture that we know is not what's best for us and not in the direction in which we're going? Well, Paul actually addressed that. It's in Ephesians. If you have your phone or a tablet or a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Let's listen to what God's Word says. It starts with therefore. Now, this is a different type of a therefore. You know, you've, you've heard a lot of pastors probably before and a lot of scholars when they study God's Word, they'll always have these little phrases you know, whenever you see a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. This isn't one of those. This is one of these that he's literally trying to connect. In fact, Paul, in two different situations, right here, and then in the beginning of chapter 5, starts off with a therefore. In other words, what he's saying is, if, if you're not going to walk as the Gentiles walk, if you're not going to be ignorant as the Gentiles were ignorant, if you're not going to have a hardened heart like the Gentiles have a hardened heart, if you're not going to give yourself into sensuality, and give yourself into this debauchery, then you need to do something. Therefore, you better do this. And he's trying to link these two things. We're not going to get into chapter 5, but I just want you to know that what he's about to say is saying, you know what, if you've stopped and taken a picture and you want God to be God of your life, well, you better do some of these things. And it's not based out of legalism. It's based out of growth. So here's what some of these things are. You ready? I'm not going to hit all of them. But I want you to listen to some of it. Having put away falsehood. Having put away falsehood. I'm just going to pause there. You're like, well, what about the rest of it speaks for itself. But there is a concept that what Paul is talking about is, you know what? Before we knew Christ, we were, we were built on lies. Like there's a lot of things that we assumed. And we assumed those things to be true. See, that's what's so powerful about knowledge. The reason why people say knowledge is power is because there is something that you gain when you understand what the truth is and what's really going on. We can look at our everyday, ordinary life. I don't have a problem parenting any of my children when they don't know any better. When they don't know any better, guess what? Hey, we are as gracious and as kind and forgiving, and we almost take the responsibility ourselves, don't we, as parents? Hey, that's my bad. I should have taught you this. But once they know, like once they're doing stuff that they know, like I've given them the knowledge, like they now know what the truth is, then I expect, I expect them to take what they know and apply it and not live out the lies. I think that's part of growing up, isn't it? What this scripture is talking about, about putting away the falsehood, is you know what, there's one thing to, to be 8, 9, 10, 14, 21, 28, 30, however old you were when you accepted Christ, and you were pursuing all the things that you thought God had for you, with whatever that meant, because you didn't really have a relationship with Christ, and you thought that all of these things were very, very, very important. But as you snap a picture and you start realizing what really is important, at some point, you've got to take the lies that are in your life, and you've got to say, you know what? I'm going to put this falsehood away. 
I'm not going to build my life around things that I know are not true anymore. That is one of the things that most people struggle with. They accept Christ and want God to be Lord of their life, but yet they want to still build their life around a bunch of falsehoods. We talked about a little of it last week. If I own this, it'll make me happy. Can I go ahead and help you out? There's not anything that you're going to physically own that's going to make you happy. Oh, if I can just find the right person, it's going to make me happy. Listen, if you're not enough before your spouse, you're not going to be enough after your spouse. Oh, if I can just, listen to me. Getting around the right people, you hear me say this, it's one of my phrases. Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. You need to burn that into your mind. Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. But with that being said, your friends are not the catalyst of your life. And so we can't build our lives around falsehood. We have to literally say, you know what? These are the things that I used to find fulfillment in. Because I didn't know there was something more. I didn't know, I knew there was a void in my life. And I was trying to find what it was that was going to fulfill that void. And once you find who Jesus truly is, and you allow him to come into your life, and you say, well, why don't I have this amazing fulfillment? Because you've allowed him to come into your life, but you've not let him become your life. See, you're, you're wanting him to take one seat among many. And what he's saying is, you know, you've got to put away the falsehood. Addiction's not going to be satisfying. Things aren't going to be satisfying. All the things that you chase trying to find fulfillment, now that you know me, if you want me to be that perfect fulfillment, then you got to let me fulfill you. And God says, I can do that, but i got one requirement. You've sang about it. Let me have it all. I don't want just, just part of your life. I don't want just a little bit. I, I don't want to be in your freeze frame like, oh, but Jesus is right in the center. Like Jesus is on his throne and, and all of my things are around him. Now, he wants a Polaroid where it's just you and him. And after that, then he's going to start putting things into your life. We call them blessings. But he didn't stop there. He's talking to them, and he starts to kind of let you know that as you put this stuff away, there's some actions. And I'm not going to dwell on these actions, but I'm going to read it because it's God's word, and it's worth reading. Let each one of you speak the truth. So not only do we put away falsehood, but we, can't, we quit speaking about those things. We start speaking about the things that are true. And it says, speak the truth with the neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. And then this verse is the verse that hit me sideways. This is one of these verses that, that I pray that you leave here today and you go, okay, I, 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 didn't get, I get this now. I never saw this before. Listen to these words. Powerful verse. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I just want to sit down on that one verse for about five minutes. 
See, if you'll look at that, you'll read through that real quick, and, and you'll think it's the way a lot of us base. It's a falsehood. See, we believe that what God wants is to change our actions. Like that having a relationship with Christ means that, that there are things that I do and things that I don't do. We think that God is consumed with our actions. A lot of us in this room, I have done this. I parent based on actions. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. Don't do the wrong thing. Do the right thing. And what this scripture tells us is that God's after something more than just your actions. He's talking about a thief. And I want you to think about all the things that a thief stands for. A thief stands for, you know what, you've got something I want. I've not earned it, but I'm going to get it, and I'm just going to take it from you. I'm going to steal what you have earned so that I can be gratified for my own personal needs. I'm a very self-consumed, selfish person. A thief is only consumed with one person, himself. He says, I want this, and my needs are greater than your needs. Therefore, I'm going to take it, even if it was meeting something in your life. And listen to what he says. Look at the scripture. It's on the screen. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. See, what God's wanting to do in, in your freeze frame is he's not after your actions. He's not after you doing something to change your picture. He's after the heart. He's looking to see if you're willing to change the desires that are in your heart. It's not just, this was wrong, I'm not going to steal anymore. No, he wants you to change your heart and say, no, it's not about not stealing. It's about working and doing the right thing, and doing an honest day's wages. But he doesn't stop there. Look at the tail end of it. Why? There you go. Doing honest work with his own hand. There's a so that. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I'm going to chase a real quick rabbit. If you're lacking fulfillment in your career, if you're lacking fulfillment in your job, if you will listen to the end of this scripture, your work will turn into worship and you'll understand for the first time what it truly means to have a calling and it will change your life and you will no longer struggle to get out of bed to go to work. See, if you're working just for yourself, for something that you think you want, that's a very tiresome, unfulfilling, never-ending falsehood. But when you start leveraging what God has called you to do and the talents and the abilities and the time that he's given you and you start doing those things not just to meet the needs of yourself and your own family but so that you can help meet the needs of others is what it's saying. Anyone that's in need, all of a sudden your work has went from work to now it's worship. Because you're carrying the gospel through the way you love God and love people to people that are in need through your job. See, it goes from, from I got to do this because I got to meet the mortgage to I'm doing this because God's not only blessing me, but he wants to use me to bless others. But I think for a lot of us, that's really where we, we hit the pause button, isn't it? 
Like, like we feel like, like falsehood. Like God has something major in my life. And I want to have a legacy that's in my family. But then once we get out of our family, we, we may go to some extended families. We may have a, a few friends. But we start shrinking that circle down, don't we? And we don't understand just how large of an impact God wants you to have and how much he wants to do in your life and how much he wants your lives to have in others. Like, it's amazing how intertwined relationships can be. That's what he's talking about here. Not as he say, stop walking like the Gentiles. Pause. Stop. Freeze. Take a picture. See what's in the picture. And then he's saying, and don't just change the setup of the picture. Actually, redo the design. I'll give you an easy example. We have an amazing creative dream team. And you will see them on a regular basis like when you walked in. All the little things that you saw that are just exemplifying all these different summer at CRCC. Summer at CRCC. And this aspect of freeze frame. And one of the things that they do on a regular basis is they have these amazing photo booths for you. Like today when you leave, to your left, right beside hospitality, it's summertime, so now they're doing iced coffee. They, they are jamming it up, aren't they? But there's a photo booth, and they change that on a regular basis. Why? So that you can help take a picture, a snapshot, and you can change what the emphasis is, and you can have a memory of what God is saying to you, and it'll kind of be a moment of inspiring you and remembering what God's calling you to do. See, for a lot of us, we don't want to take the time to change the entire picture. We just want to add a prop. See, we're spiritually lazy. Like, we want to take our freeze-frame photo that we don't really like where we're going, and, and we, want to, we want to put a cross on a table behind there and say, oh, yeah, uh, and, and God's a part of it. We want to add a prop. I want you to know that, that this summer, what God's after is he's after the background. He, he's after the whole concept of that picture. He doesn't want to be a prop that you put on a chain and put around your neck that exemplifies everything you know about Jesus. He doesn't want to be a, a tattoo that you put somewhere on your body so that when people say, ooh, nice ink, you can say, oh, yeah, this is what this means. He wants to be something more than just a mark. He wants to be more than just a prop. He wants to be more than just, just one little, like, you know, when it works out, if somebody asks, yeah, you may be able to see that God's a really big deal in my life. He wants it to be so obvious, like out here, you can't look at this photo booth without immediately realizing what the theme is. And that's what this is talking about. Can I ask you a very personal question? When you're looking at your picture, what's the theme? You see a whole lot of career. You see a whole lot of stuff. And, and I got to be careful here because I don't want you to think the wrong thing. Listen, I'm not against stuff. Hey, pastor likes things. I like things just like everybody else. I like having fun like everybody else. 
But what's the theme that's being betrayed? Keeps going. Look at verse 29. Let no corruption talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And he's given us all this concept of how our life should represent. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Live a life that the Holy Spirit's not going, oh, jeez. Don't grieve him. His job's to help you. Don't grieve him where he's like, man, God, this, like, like, I'm here to help him, but that one, I mean, that one, like, that one needs a lot of help. Like, motivate yourself to put down the falsehoods and start moving towards God rather than waiting for God to move towards you. Because he's already there. He keeps going. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And then for those that aren't really capturing what all this is saying, the last verse sums it all up. Simply, three things. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. See, the key to this whole freeze frame is you've got to understand that where you're going is very, very simple. There's a lot of things that are in those verses that we could spend a whole lot more time. But can we just make it real simple? Three things. Be kind. Be kind. Secondly, be tenderhearted. What does that mean? Well, in the previous verses, he talked about these Gentiles, and because of the things they did, they hardened their hearts. Why did they harden their hearts? Because if you harden something, then nothing can penetrate it. Did you catch that? If you harden something, you do that for two reasons. Because you don't want something to penetrate it, or because you don't want it to break. And God says what? I, I, I want to penetrate your life. I want you to be a broken vessel for me to use. And he said, and be forgiven. And forgive those the way that I have forgiven you. See, I think those three things, if you look at your photo, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff through the summer. But I want you to leave here today, and I want to encourage you to get in that photo booth and take a snapshot and put it on your phone and do something and ask yourself, you know what, for the next eight weeks during this summer, as I pause and I look at my life and I see what God wants, am I just trying to change the actions of my life or am I willing to change the heart of the matter? If you change the actions of your life, I want you to know you're going to find yourself constantly changing and being exhausted. You're going to find yourself constantly battling one more thing after one more thing after one more thing. And you're going to run from one action to another action going, oh, now this popped up. And oh, now this popped up. And oh, now this popped up. But if you can allow God to address your heart, listen to me. Today, I'm not talking about your family. I'm not talking to you as a parent. 
I'm not talking to you about your children. I'm not talking to you about the legacy of your grandparents. I don't know what stage that you are in in life, but today what I am talking about is I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me. And if we're truly going to do this this summer with all the fun and all the amazing things that's going to happen, but we're going to stop and we're going to pause and we're going to look at this picture, then I need you to get on the front end of this and do three things for me. Number one, take a real picture. I joke around about this. I'm not against this. I, I love social media. Our church does a lot with social media. But I don't need your Instagram post picture with all its filters and all its greatness. I need you to take the picture that you would rather people not see. A picture that's just between you and God. And you can look at it. And then I need you, secondly, to not only take a real picture, but to be real about what's in that picture. Some of you sit in a chair. I stand on a stage. And there are moments in my life that I deal with things that God's doing in my life or things that I'm making choices with, and I go, man, if people knew. And what's amazing is, is, is if all of us ever got brutally honest, you know what we'd find? Most of us are all dealing with the same thing. They're struggles, and they're real. And then the last thing is I don't want you to change the action just so you can look at the picture a little bit differently. I want you to get to the heart of it and say, what's it going to take to allow God to change the whole backdrop? I just don't need a prop. I just don't need a filter. I need God to come in and, and redesign this portrait. I believe if we do that, then through all the fun and the sun and the laughing and the cutting up and the freeze pops and the duck donuts and all the other things and the fireworks shows and the serve days and the summer times and the getting to the fall and then we get ready to, for kids to go back to school, all of us will get to that point in August and you're going to have an epiphany. And I want you to know this is my prayer for you. That God would do something so amazing in your life over eight weeks that you'll go, wow, if he can do that in eight weeks, what can he do in a year? And if he can do that in a year, whew, what can he do in five years? What can he do in a, in a decade? What can he do in a couple of decades? And next thing you know, you're looking at a picture, and it's still got some flaws, guys. But the thing is crystal clear. And everybody that looks at your picture goes, you know what? God's with them. God's for them. And wow, look at how God blessed them. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.